It's just a phase. Has any parent been consoled with that? I'm sure Hannah, Keegan, you're getting a little bit of that right now. Newborn baby. Any other babies that are less than a year old? Any parents of, uh-huh, uh-huh. Don't worry, the sleep deprivation is just a phase. It'll pass eventually, and then it goes in, and it'll pass. Um, anybody have uh, one of those toddlers that struck fear in your heart when you went out in public because you didn't know what you were going to get? You, you didn't know if you were going to get grumpy version? That was Zach's like, that's my boy up here. He's not a little more than a toddler, but. But like you, you go out in public and then your kid has a meltdown and you know in that moment, like everybody in the store is watching you and what are they doing you right then? Oh, they're judging you, aren't they? They're judging you. And then some sweet grandmother walks by and don't worry, honey, it's, it's just, just fade. Teenagers, who's got teenagers in the room? Give me a help me Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because teenagers can be hard, right? And um, going through those teenage years when they eat your food and they sleep under your your roof, but they don't want to respect you? Like, they don't want to follow your rules? Like, some of you are laughing because that was you. Um, and then you're like at the end of your, like seriously at the end of your rope and you call mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, you call a friend, you ask for help. And you're like, what do I do to get through this? I want to kill them. I want to wring their neck out. And they say, well, it's just a, just a phase. And the problem with it's just a phase, it's true. It really is just a phase. And see, I, I've been through phases here. I got, we got three kids. Hudson is 12. Jack is 14. Ella is 17. Started her senior year. So when I started walking and I said, I've been through phases, I was like, I don't want to look over there at that cap and gown. But if you console yourself, this is, this is huge. If you console yourself with it's just a phase, you know what the danger is. You'll miss the opportunity to treasure each phase along the way because they're all unique. And once they pass, you don't get them back. And it's interesting to watch the room and some of you parents with the littles like, I see you crying, and you're like, uh, and then I, I see some of the parents with grown kids, and, and your head nods are a little bit bigger <laughs> because you've lost some phases, right? And, and you feel this a little bit different. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to uh, grasp just how quickly the time goes. I'm going to put this back here. And so I'm going to give you a little illustration some of you have seen this. I, I'll tell you, 
This message right here, this might be the message I have preached the most and been requested to preach the most. Like, you need to do that one again. You need to do that one again. Because this one here, like, it bears repeating. Look, look at somebody and say, you need this again. If this is your first time, then just, just buckle up. This right here represents it's 936 marbles. How easy it is to lose one. I think I just dropped one. 936 marbles. One marble for every week from when that beautiful, adorable baby was born weeks ago, weeks ago, until that child graduates from high school. 936, 936 weeks. And that looks like a lot, right? Like, I mean, you can make that count. Like, that's a lot to work with. That's like, I mean, that, that's a lot to work with. But if you have a nine-year-old, who's got a nine-year-old in the room say yes? Jacoby and Aletha, madam, you've already lost half your marbles. I see some adamant nodding. Y'all watching this? Can we all just stop and pray? Just stretch your hand? No, I'm just kidding. They've already lost half their marbles because half the years have passed, those 18 years. And, and if, if you lost half your marbles, then you're only 312 marbles until they get their driver's license. My 14-year-old wants to get his driver's license like last week. And when you're 312 marbles away from the driver's license, that means you're only four family vacations away until they go away to college Till they move out. You, you know they're supposed to do that, right? They're supposed to move out. They're supposed to come to a new phase, a new season in their life. And they move out and they go away. And, and you'll still have a relationship with them, of course. But it's not going to be the same. It's different. It's a different phase. It's a different season. And you can never get these phases back. You're going to want to make sure your house is stacked and your washer and dryer is working when they move into that next phase, because that's when they come home. <laughs> Feed them. Let them do laundry. But you never get it back. And so this isn't to like beat up parents or depress you. Lost half your marbles. Some of you lost all your marbles. Miss Pat playing, she said some didn't have any to begin with. <laughs> she wasn't talking about ignorance of people. She was saying that people that didn't have kids. But let's talk about that because is this message only for parents? Because mm, you're counting marbles in every area of your life. You're counting marbles in your, new, your, your first year of marriage, Laura and Liam. You're counting marbles. Congratulations to newlyweds. But they're counting marbles like in their young married life. Married life before children. How many parents with kids say they should count their marbles? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe you're, you're counting marbles in your career. Are you, are you making that time count? Because there's different phases in your career. Are you making it count? Maybe you're single and 
Maybe you want to have a relationship, maybe you don't, but if you want to have a relationship, are you making your singleness count? You know, that's a faith thing. You could like put a jar of marbles and this is how many marbles until I meet that person. It's like prophetic marbles. But, but if, if you're single and you don't want a relationship, how are you making your marbles count? You ain't waiting on anybody else. That means it's all on you to make those marbles count in whatever season that you're in. Some of the grandparents in the room lost all your marbles once, twice, three times. Like, you lost a lot of marbles. And so it's a different season in your life, but you're counting marbles too, right? How do you make this season count? Whether that's pouring back into younger generations or enjoying your retirement or giving back from the wisdom, the vast wisdom that you have to pour into other people. You know, your 60 to 80 years, that, that season is, can be one of the most fruitful seasons of your life because you have so much to give that you didn't have before when you thought you had marbles, but you really didn't. We're mixing the metaphor up here. So once you get through a phase, you don't get it back, right? I counted up. My daughter started her senior year. I got 39 marbles left, people. Some of you, anybody else have seniors in the room? 39, 39 marbles. Jamie and Terry, I don't know where they're at. 39 marbles. See, we, we're, we're in crunch time. And because I've, as I told you, I've spoken this message before, I'm updating my notes, and it's like, Jack is six years old. Now he's 14. I've lost some phases. I've lost some marbles. Now, I want to be super, super clear about something. Some of you have lost marbles. You've gone through some of the phases, and your immediate instinct as I've started to talk is, man, I wasted some marbles. I suck. I'm a horrible parent. You didn't say that out loud, but that self-talk on the inside, some of you are beating yourself up. I love you so much. Stop it! There's, there, Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? So we're not talking about the marbles in the past. I mean, you can learn some lessons there, but we're not talking about that. You know what we're talking about? That marble right there. What are you going to do with this one? How are you going to make this week count? See, if you come away from today and your biggest takeaway is that, you know what, I'm going to make today count. Some of you grown-ups are going to jump in the bouncy house today because you're never going to get that phase back when your kid comes up to you and say, Daddy, Daddy, please, please, please. And you go home, you're going to take some Advil, and you're going to get an ice pack. <laughs> but it's going to be all right because you don't get that phase back because it's just a, just a phase. And so I'm going to unapologetically speak to parents today, but y'all realize that we all can get something about making the marbles count, right? If you believe that, say Amen. I want you to turn to the uh, Gospel of Mark, and we're going to set this up from Mark 9. <coughs> and in Mark 9, the, the header over my, in my Bible, it says, 
Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy, which of course is accurate. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. But I'm gonna read from this passage not because uh, Jesus heals a boy, and I'm not gonna read from it because a boy gets healed. See, the title over that could just as easily say, what happens when a parent does what only a parent can do? Mark 9, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. Jesus returned to the disciples. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. Who brought the son? Daddy. Hey, parents, sometimes you gotta do what only you could do. You've gotta show up for your kids when no one else is showing up. Can you imagine this dad? When the story unfolds, he'd gone through people pointing their fingers and judging him and saying, man, what, what sin must be in his life that he's going through this demon possession? Like, what, what did this dad do wrong? I'm sure all he wanted to do was hide out in his house every day, all day, because his kid wasn't gonna throw a ten, temper tantrum. His kid was gonna convulse and throw himself on the floor because he was possessed by an, e an evil spirit. And yet, somehow on this day, this week, he decided to, something was gonna change. He was gonna make a marble count. Going on, it says, he is the father, talking about his son, he is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Do you think that might wanna make you stay at your house? But this dad left his house because he had to do what only a dad could do. So, but the dad says, so I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Who's speaking there? Jesus, bring the boy to me. I think Travis made this point really well as he was talking. When he came here at 15 years old in those baggy clothes, dropping some rhymes and beats, that it, I sounded pretty white there, didn't I? Yeah, okay. Anyways. But when he came here, back to the word, he didn't model himself after me or Pastor Marion or the youth pastor. Let me know. Who did he model himself after? Jesus. See, when we tell you to bring your kids to church, we're not telling you, inviting you to bring them to me or to Trav or to Sarah or to Liam. No, no, no. We're inviting you not to bring them to, to be kids because Jenny's there or Ella's there. No, no. We're inviting you to bring them to Jesus because people will let you down. Just like this dad, the disciples let him down. He brought him to the disciples and he said, disciples, hey, do your thing, deliver my son. And the disciples couldn't do it. But when Jesus shows up, everything changes. 
Listen, if you come to Bethel and you bring your kids here long enough, at some point, someone is going to let you down. Whether it's me or Jenny or someone else, someone is going to let you down. Someone will upset you. They will offend you if you allow them. By the way, that's a choice. But, and so if you're bringing the kids here so that Travis doesn't mess up as a youth pastor, then you're gonna leave when something happens and he messes up. But if you're bringing your kids to Jesus and you keep coming because Jesus is here, because we're leading people to Jesus, imperfect human beings, but leading people to Jesus, he's never gonna let you down. He's never, so be, be crystal clear. When you come here, you're not coming to a perfect church. We got some issues. Look, look at somebody say, you got issues. But the good news is, don't enjoy that so much. Goodness. The good news is that as many issues as we've got, the God we serve is bigger. The Jesus on the inside of us is bigger. Verse 20, it says, so they brought the boy But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. You can't just read the Bible, you gotta read the Bible. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He walks up, on. Jesus was gone, he came back to the disciples, this big crowd, doesn't it make sense that Jesus would say, hey, hey, disciples, What's going on here, guys? Give me the lowdown. What's the 411? Like, what's happening here? Tell me about the boy. Tell me what's happening. What ha- did you try? What didn't work? Tell- disciples, give me the update. But did Jesus talk to the disciples? Yes or no? No. Who did he talk to? The dad. Because it don't matter how good those disciples are. No one is going to know the boy better than his father. And see, I want you to see this, parents. Jesus placed value He respected the unique relationship that you have with your child. And we want you to know here at Bethel, we respect that too. We're not trying to replace you. We're not trying to supersede you. We want to partner with you. We want to support you. We want to come alongside you, but we are under no pretense that we can do your job better than you. That's your job. We can't do it for you. And so you, you have to, the same way we believe in the power and Jesus believed in the power of that relationship, you need to believe that. All the parents in the room say that, yeah, parents in the room say this, I'm a parent. I can do things for my child that nobody else can do. It's a pretty good daily affirmation if you wanna add that in the mix. So Jesus asked the boy's father, and the boy's father replied and said, since he was a little boy. So since he was a little boy, so he was a little boy. He's not as little as he used to be, but he's still a boy. So maybe he's past here. Maybe he's somewhere here. Maybe he's lost half of his marbles. And so this dad's been living life with a boy that randomly gets thrown on the floor and convulsing and he's lost half of his marbles until this week, until this day, when he drew a line in the sand, and he said, okay, no more. I'm gonna do something that only I can do. I'm gonna bring 
my son. I see hope. I, I haven't been able to get the answers. Other people even decide. They don't have the answers, but maybe Jesus can help. I don't care what you're going through. And by the way, this is for everybody. I don't care what season your kid's going through. I don't care where you're at in your career. I don't care where you're at in broken relationships from your own past. Jesus is always the answer. Jesus is always the answer. Don't overcomplicate this. So you can be pursuing something that you need, that you desire, but that thing that you need or desire or that change of circumstances or that change of relationship, that's not the answer. The answer is actually Jesus. And then oftentimes that change of circumstances can come. But Jesus, everybody say Jesus is the answer. Just like my sister here. Jesus is the answer. Like healing, yes. Yes, does Jesus do that? Woo, yes he does. Yes he does. But healing's not the answer as much as Jesus is the answer. So the father answered, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us if you can. Mm. He knew he needed help. He knew he couldn't solve it on his own. And parents, I want to tell you, there's something supernatural that gets released that can happen when you get to a place of humbling yourself that you don't have the answers. All the parents, look at me, look at me. Stop acting like you have to solve this on your own. You can't. If you could have solved it on your own, you would have done it already. You are not alone, parents. Don't act like you are. Humble yourself. Stop trying to hide the mess. Man, now I'm preaching. I'm totally off my notes and somebody needs to hear this. Stop trying to hide your mess and ask for help. How many in the room who's got grown kids have been through some crazy, messy stuff with your kids when they were younger? Just keep keep them up for a second. Do you know how much wisdom is in this room right here? for you going through your mess. And, and you thought they didn't go through some stuff. Miss Gwen, did y'all see Miss Gwen raised her hand? If Miss Gwen raised her hand, y'all need, listen. Your kids aren't having issues because you're a horrible parent. Your kids are having an issue because there's not enough Jesus in the situation. Now, does Jesus always completely, immediately fix the circumstances? No. But when Jesus is more in the situation, are you able to navigate it a little bit better? Are you able to still have hope even when circumstances don't change? Are you able to have peace even when you can't control it? Are you able to trust God with your kids instead of trusting yourself? Everybody say, I need more Jesus. Verse 22, or 23 Jesus says, what do you mean if I, I don't think he said it that way, but what do you mean? He was very spiritual. Could Jesus get a little like indignant? Like, what do you mean if I can? Some of you are going through stuff and you're like, you haven't even prayed about it. Not even on your daily prayer list. 
your kid going through stuff, and instead of praying about it, you try and fix it. Man, apparently I'm feisty today. Whoa, we keeping it real up in here. Stop trying to fix that mess and start praying. Lean into community. Lean into relationship. If I can. There is no mess going on. And again, let's broaden this beyond our parents right now. There is no mess going on in your life, Alan, that Jesus can't bring hope and restoration and peace and goodness into. Nothing, Alan. Nothing in your life that if you bring more Jesus into it, it don't get better. And again, that doesn't matter if it changes circumstances or if it changes you in the midst of the circumstance. Sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms the child in the midst of the storm. But you need some Jesus in your storm. So just because bad stuff happens doesn't mean you're a bad parent, doesn't mean you're in sin. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you know the story, does Jesus heal the boy? Yes, he does. And the crowd, they walk away amazed. The, the disciples, they walk away with a lesson about the power of prayer because Jesus said this one can't come out except by prayer and fasting. But that dad, because he did what only a parent can do, he walked away with his son. Listen, bring more of Jesus into whatever you're walking through, whether you're a parent, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a single in your 20s. Listen, if you're in your 20s, half y'all are over here. So, hey, hey, y'all. You better make those marbles count. Like, you don't get this season back. You got to make, like, Lauren Liam got married, and see, they're in a different season now. They don't get that back. Like, you got to see, and you can be like, oh, I want to live it up and do my thing. Yeah, I see you back there. Or you can say, you know what? I got more time in my life right now than ever to lean into Jesus, to surrender my life to him, to, to recognize and get clear about the kind of relationships I actually want. Right, Genesis? Like, you, 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 you never get this season back to lean into him. And what, what happens if you bring more Jesus into this season of your life? Then, it, Listen, you got more time right now. You think when you get older, you got time? Really? You got, like, you got time on the front end, and then some of y'all retired, and you're like, oh, we're going to slow it down. And like, you still ain't got time, do you, Linda? Like, you're busier than ever. So take the season. Bring Jesus into it. No matter what you're going through, bring Jesus. Can he do it? Can he do it? but you got to bring him in. Um, let me give you, yeah, let's do this. I want to give you two practical takeaways for this. So we've set it up. We're grounded in the word. Um, parents, there's things that only you can do. Um, I'm grateful. Um, the teenage years are not without challenge. I've got two, almost a third. But I'm grateful for a very deep and close relationship with my kids. They actually like to be around me a little bit. We have fun together. We enjoy being together. I was asking my son um, last week, because I was 
preached last week on family that's coming in. I said, hey, what, what's something we do good, son? And his one answer was quality time. You spend time together. And he's, he's aware that as, a, as an entrepreneur, and Katie's an entrepreneur as well, but she has time. She's, he's aware that we get to have a little bit more time just because the way we've created our life. And so time is your greatest asset. Um, the quality of those relationships, these two points I'm gonna give you real quick, so much is because I've lived into what I started preaching seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was. And so um, take this as parents, take this for any season of your life. Point number one, practical tip, uh, to make every marble count, it requires us to be intentional with our time. To be intentional with our time. That, that's simple, right? And here's the thing, in the different phases, you've got different amounts of time, don't you? Because our two uh, newborn parents here, you get 24-7, don't you? Like, they, they don't leave you. Like, they're always there. But by the time you get over here and they're in the toddler years, like, they, maybe they go into preschool and then they start to go into grade school. Now you're down to like, oh, maybe I got seven, eight hours a day. And then by the time they get to middle school, you're down to like maybe four hours a day because they can't drive yet. They still need you. By the way, middle school parents, how many middle school parents? Give me a little, help me, Jesus. Yeah, okay. Listen, it's just a phase. When they get to the next phase, they don't need you to drive them everywhere. They, they don't need you around as much. They've got more freedom. So I don't care if it feels like you're walking through hell right now in middle school. Treasure the phase. Lean into the moments. Because then when they get to high school, you're going to have what? 30 minutes, 60 minutes a day, maybe? It's just a phase. But think about the different time that you have in the different phases. And then if, if you want to get real on this, all you need is a strategy. Um, let me give you some questions. If you're taking notes, you should write these questions down, okay? Okay. This is beautiful, and by the way, this, these questions, just about all of them work for your marriage or any key relationships in your life, but questions to create a strategy. Number one, what are the times we're gonna spend together each day? You got when they're little, wake time, breakfast time, drive time, car line time. Like, how many love car line? <laughs> Whoa, I think I need to preach on that. Um, you got dinner time, you got bedtime. Like these are the different times you're gonna be together during the day and those, in all the phases, those change, right? So what are the different times we're gonna be together on a daily basis and then how do I optimize, maximize that time that I get? Because you're not gonna get it back, so what are you gonna do with it? One of our daily things is, my kids know that they're gonna be asked at the end of the day, whether it's dinner or in the car, hey, what's your win today? just to win. When they were littler, we had prayer time at bedtime, and we were like, hey, we use that time to speak over them, to pray over them, to ask them questions, to listen, all those different things. We learned with our, our middle school boys, um, Jack's now going into high school, like, they talk better in the car when you aren't looking them eye to eye, and so you gotta maximize that drive time, and so you ask more questions, and the questions change in different seasons, right? Ella, um, well, I guess that'll move on. Let's go to the second question. What are the times we're gonna spend together in a week? What are the times during the week that you spend together? 
So some things aren't daily, but they're weekly. And so what are the times you're gonna spend together? Sunday morning. Some of you sitting with your family. Way to go. <clears throat> Way to go. Like, this is a weekly thing, right? Maybe you got some weekly traditions. Then they got like meal things that like pancake night, nacho night, taco night. Like, I feel like burrito nights like every night at our house because we have two kids addicted to them. But like family, what do you guys have? What's your tradition, your food thing? Sunday night, they have breakfast for dinner. Do you think their kids look forward to that and talk about that? Like, it's a thing for them, and their kids are young, right? Isaac just had his what birthday? His 10th. Yeah, you lost half your marbles. Yeah, more than half, right? So, but make little things like that and create moments and intentionality. You know what happens in those little moments over breakfast on Sunday nights? They talk, they connect. They ask about the day. Listen, some of you think your kids won't talk, but ask better questions. Don't say, how was your day? Because you ask a teenage boy that, what is he gonna say? Fine, exactly. Good, eh. Like, they might not even be to give you a word, just eh, right? They just make noises. But ask better questions, like, well, hey, would anything make you smile today? You got a story to tell me from the day? Man, we got some good stories from Jack and Hudson. They were pretty entertaining storytellers. Um, did, hey, did anything make you sad today? Was something wrong? Listen, we're not perfect at this, but there's some little things, daily things, weekly things, monthly things. You can make things happen on a monthly basis. What are the times we're gonna spend together on a monthly basis? Question number three. And then lastly, what are the times we're gonna spend together on a yearly basis? Now let me talk about this one for a second because some of you are in the season where you can create traditions in your family and it increases your intentionality on a yearly basis. How many have traditions that you do as a family on a yearly basis? Anybody got traditions? Some, they might just be holidays, right? So the way you do Christmas, how many do like a, a, you open a present on Christmas Eve or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's a tradition, it's a milestone, it's something they look forward to. Uh, like, for us, it's we, we come to Christmas Eve service here at church, and then Martha cooks an amazing meal. Oh, my goodness. Hold on, let me just have a moment. Oh, she, she, she cooks this dish called the, oh, it's so good. I won't even tell you about it, because then you'll want to steal it. Um, literally, Pastor Steph, every year, she knows the tradition so much that Pastor Steph gets a dish of Afghan Palau every year. We bring it to Christmas Eve service, and then we go home, and the kids get to open their gifts from each other. It's her tradition, Okay. You can create those, you know. You can create traditions anytime you want, whether it's around birthdays or things you do together as a family. We just got back from one. We went to church camp. By the way, this is a generational tradition because my grandma got saved there when she was 13 years old. Most of you heard this. And she raised all three of her sons at this camp every summer. It's a family camp for 10 days every single summer. Raised all her boys there. All three of them became pastors. My dad raised all of us and us, us kids there my entire life, every single summer, and now my kids are there every single summer, and if you made them pick between Disney or Camp Psyker, Psyker every time, and God shows up, and God works, and God, it's, and it's fun, and we're with all our family, and so like, by the way, then you can pull people into your traditions, because now it's a tradition for Audrey, because now she's come with us the last two years, and so now she looks forward to it. So what are you doing to create yearly things? Everybody say, be intentional. You, you are losing your marbles. What are you gonna do with them? How are you gonna create space to build relationship, to invest, to pour in? And 
some of you like to control things when you plan them. Create the space, but don't give in to the temptation to try and dictate how it goes. Release expectations. One of my favorite quotes, you trade your expectation for appreciation, and in that moment, your whole life will change. So if Sarah goes into pancake night tonight, and she's got a list of what she wants to do and what she wants to talk about, and we're having a family meeting, and boom, 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 and I want Isaac to do this, and I want uh, the rest of them to do this. Like, if she does that, could she be disappointed? But if she just shows up to be grateful for pancake night, is she gonna enjoy it a lot more? So release the expectations, create the space, and let God do what he needs to do. All right, is that helping anybody? Here's the Bible version of this, Deuteronomy 6, four through seven. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Notice the different moments, at home. And when you're on the road, drive time, didn't we just talk about that? And when you're going to bed, bedtime. And when you're getting up, what's that morning routine look like? Some of you, if you just got intentional in the morning, it could change everything about your house. Because you're, listen, I love you. Because I've been through this, I can speak to you with love and compassion. Your morning does not have to be chaotic. Now, here's even tougher love. If it's chaotic, that's on you, not the kids. I love you, I love you so much. Create peace, create routine, create some structure, create some fun in your morning routine, but be intentional about it. That's what the Bible talks about. Practical thing number two, we're gonna do this one quick. Make every memorable count by recognizing you're not enough. You, look at somebody and say, you're not enough. You are not enough to be the parent that your kids need you to be. And let me just highlight this. I just read this verse, but y'all missed a piece of it. Because what I just read from Deuteronomy, and it says, and you, everybody say me. Say that's talking about me. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you, everybody say that's me. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you. Everybody say, that's me. Here's the key. You can't give your kids something you don't have. You cannot give your kids something you don't already have. You can't give them more of Jesus if he's not already overflowing out of your spirit. You want to do all that stuff and get impact and see results in your kids' lives? Get yourself on your knees. Get yourself in the word. Worship. Get yourself up here worshiping every Sunday. Like, show up whenever the doors are open. You can't give what you don't have. So if you want more Jesus in your home, get more Jesus in you. Every single person in this room can walk away with that. You want your life to elevate, to have more joy, peace, satisfaction, fulfillment? Put more Jesus into your life because you're not enough. You're not enough because it's the Jesus in you that makes you enough. My my mom and dad, um, 
Dad's a pastor, retired after 38 years. He's one of the good ones, amazing. Love my parents, married 55 years, I think, something like that. And so there, there's three tri- types of preacher's kids. This is my formation. There is the rebellious one, and everybody knows it. Uh, that would be my oldest sister. Um, there was the, they act like they believe it, but what mom and dad don't know won't hurt them. That was my sister, Kimberly. And then there's the third category, which is uh, they believe it and they live it from a young age and they never go through the, that was my brother and I. Yes, we were the goody two-shoes. But the wisdom that my parents gave me, they said, listen, son, we parented you all basically the same. And what we learned through that process, and by the way, uh, oldest sister, she's on staff at a church, radically saved, turned around, gave her life to Jesus. Her, her husband got saved, hardcore Marine and like crazy stuff. My sister loves God, married a pastor. So everybody loves God, serving God. They were all at church camp. But they said, listen, Mark, it's not about us as much as it is the Jesus in us and trusting him with all of you. You can't do it on your own. Listen, if this is wisdom from my pastor, from Pastor Marion, listen, if, if it's yours, that means you have to maintain it, protect it, provide for it, cover it. You have to do that. But if it's his, if your kids are his, if your business is his, if your ministry is his, if your relationships is, are his, then it's his responsibility to maintain, protect, provide for. See, we're just stewards. So as a parent, we're not enough, but Jesus in us is. And then the other thing, I'll do this real quick. You're not enough because God created us for community. Travis hit that so well. How many of you are grateful that you have this spiritual family in your life? Some of you got great, amazing family, blood family, blood relationships, that's great. So this just gets to add to it and amplify it. That's awesome, that's great. But there's this concept of widening your circle. So if you've got kids, no matter what age, but the younger you start on this, the better it works, you have to be intentional about widening the circle. And what this means is you wanna put adults in their life who when they go to other people besides you, that's coming by the way, you're not always gonna be the one that hung the moon. There's gonna come a point, usually middle school, where they start going to others more than they come to you for wisdom, for advice. And when they do that, this intentionality of widening the circle is you're putting adults in their life who when they go to them, they're gonna get the same wisdom they got from you. You gotta widen the circle because you can't do it on your own. And the more you do it, and by the way, this church is a pretty amazing place to do that, to widen your circle. If my kids go to Travis Lilly, or Sarah, or Lauren, Liam, or Zach, like I, I am not nervous one bit about what wisdom and counsel they're gonna get from any of these people because we widened the circle a long time ago. Now when Travis brought them back to my house Tuesday night because he picks them up every week, if you got kids and, and students, um, they have reconnect every Tuesday night and he literally makes the rounds and picks them up usually from my house to the logs in his house. And so he picks them up, but when he brought them back and Jack got out of the car without a shirt on, I was like, what did you do? Like, I was like, he's half dressed. You're bringing him back to me half dressed. I, apparently there was a water fight, but 
widen the circle. Listen, there are people that you're going to be around and your kids are going to be around just by convenience. They go to school with them. They play sports with them. They sign up for the same club with them. They live in the same neighborhood with them. Now, some of you have been totally blessed because in some of those just convenient, naturally happening environments, you've got amazing friends that share your values, that are godly people that pour into your kid. But can I tell you something? When I talk about widening the circle, it is facing reality that the relationships of convenience are not enough. Because there may be some teachers, coaches, kids in the neighborhood that you don't want in your circle. And so you have to be intentional to put them in the right environments. DJ was on a call with me this week talking about taking his son to work with him. And he told this story, he won't mind if I share this. Came home that night and Miranda said, uh, so what did you do today? And his son said, how old is he? Six. And he said, we were running some numbers. <laughs> DJ's a realtor. And Miranda says, so, so what kind of numbers? Uh, and I, I would love to see that moment because I know you played it cool. And he said, you know, real estate. But what it, he took him to the office twice this week. What's he doing? He's putting him in the right environment around driven, successful people so that when he, get, he gets in that circle, and there's some people in that circle that he probably leans into. My, my daughter who was standing up here, she was up here, like, she loves his kids. And I'm pretty sure that's part of a circle you're pretty happy about. Then, like, my, like, so you gotta be intentional about doing this. Don't take convenience. Listen, design your circle. Be intentional about it and do whatever you gotta do to get them in the right circle. Some of you gotta have the guts to yank them out of some circles they're in, even if it has consequences. Because as long as they're living under your roof, then, then they, they gotta follow your direction. Now, be wise in how you do that because don't do that with an iron fist. That ain't gonna work out well for you. But can I encourage you? One of the greatest gifts we have to give you for this, this, this whole thing that we're talking about to make those marbles count is we've got a dedicated team. She's like, I'm screaming, I'm sorry. Wasn't that great when Jenny was up here? She was screaming, it was loud, but she, she... can you tell this woman loves your kids? Yeah. We got a dedicated team of volunteers who are serving. We got a dedicated team serving students in student ministry. And we wanna partner with you. If your kids are teens, all the parents of teens, raise your hand just if you don't mind, because I love you. It's not their decision whether or not they're in church. That's yours. Now again, don't parent with an iron fist because that ain't gonna get good results. The good thing, like my son, my wife was not feeling well this morning. She was a little dizzy. Hi, honey. Um, she was watching online. And so my son stayed home with her, Hudson did, because you know when you're dizzy, you don't want to kind of be alone. And he's like, well, I said, are you okay with that? He's like, I want to go to church, but I'll stay. Aww. Like, listen, this is not a horrible place to hang out. My kids love being here. Now, if you see them acting like they own the joint, like slap them upside the back of the head and tell me. They at least keep their shoes on now. They used to walk in the door and kick their shoes off and start running. I'm like, what? Widen the circle. Be intentional. Don't settle for the convenience of relationships. Be intentional. And if you got teens, get them in the house. Get them there on Sunday nights at Redefine. Get them there on Tuesday nights at Reconnect. Get the, make sure they're here in the house. Make sure they're in that children's ministry. That's on you. Parents, do what only you can do. 
if you're a parent and you're in, in here with your spouse, look at your spouse right now and say, we're going to do what only we can do. Tell them. So, let's bring this home. Uh, ushers, go ahead. And uh, we got some. If you, if you didn't get marbles the first time the bucket went by, that was kind of an accident. Uh, they weren't supposed to be in the bucket the first time. Um, but if you didn't get marbles, they're going to pass these buckets down the aisles, and there's a little bag with a few marbles in it. And I want you to take one out, because who's responsible to make these things count? Everybody say, me! Say, I am! Nobody else can make your marbles count like you. If you're a parent, be like that dad in Mark 9 and do what only you can do. And by the way, like some of you, when, we, when I was ministering that, like there were some things that jumped out that you know that you know. By the way, if you got kids that are older, when I say do what only you can do, it's not try to control them and make them do what you want. Well, now we're preaching. That hit me when I walked by Aletha over here because I know Aletha, is Tatiana in the room? Is she in here? There she is. Uh, y'all went through a little season where she wasn't your favorite, right? Um, but Aletha did not, now don't need to correct me if I'm wrong because I'm on stage, okay? But I think Aletha worked really hard not to try and to control her, but what was the one thing you did more than anything? She prayed. She's like, I hope I give him the right answer. That was exactly, <laughs> she prayed. Some of you just aren't praying for your kids and you need to step it up and pray for your kids. You need to be more intentional with your time. You need to get them around the right people. Don't force it. Don't try to control it, but be intentional. And some of you who don't have kids yet, how many young couples you don't have kids yet? Just quick raise of hands. Okay, awesome. Now, if you have been through all the seasons and the phases with kids, raise your hands. So you all that just raised your hand before, lock into these people. One of the best things Katie and I did, I don't know why I'm talking to you guys because you were just right there in front. I'm not rushing you on the kid thing either, you know. Newlywed, you're good. Um, so, but we were intentional about saying who are parents who have families like what we wanna have. And I'll never forget, Alan Diane Beers, um, actually we, had, we did a young young married couples group, and we had Alan Diane Beers come, and i never forget, she was like, we had, somebody asked the question about divorce, and she was like, well, no, I never was gonna divorce him. That wasn't an option, which Katie and I have always said that. She's like, I mean, I wanted to throw stuff at him plenty of times, but you need somebody that'll keep it real and look for mentorship. Get around people who got families like you wanna have and lean into those relationships. Okay, two things we're gonna do here. Real quick, and we're gonna wrap, because how many is ready for inflatables? How many had an elbow in your side saying, you're gonna jump in that inflatable with the kids? Why, why is it always the man's job? Like, come on, ladies, step it up. Okay, if you're in this room, and I'm talking about that earlier in the message, and I was talking about how Jesus changes everything, and Jesus is the answer, and the thing you want isn't the answer, but Jesus is the answer, this is your moment. Like, literally, you can make this moment here, because again, you can't give your kids what you don't have. You can't give anybody what you don't have. And if you know that you are far from God right now, you know that if you died today, you don't have a certainty that you'd spend eternity in heaven with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're far from God. Listen, fixing things up is not the answer. Being better behaved is not the answer. 
Who's the answer? Say his name. Jesus. I want you to bow your heads. If you're in this room, God, I'm praying you give them courage to respond to your love. Again, there's, there's no condemnation, so I, I'm not beating you up to get you to respond. I want It is the goodness and the love of God that leads us to repentance. And so you can have a moment right now and say, God, I repent that I've tried to do this on my own, and God, I wanna trust in you and your love for the rest of my life. And so God, I pray you give them courage right now. If you're here, you're far from God, nobody's looking around except our prayer team, and you're saying, you know what, I need Jesus. I know he's the answer. I don't have a relationship with him. I'm far from him. I need a relationship with Jesus. Whether that's the first time or you're coming back to that decision, I'm gonna pray you, God, give him courage right now. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you right where you're at. Give him faith, God. One, it's his love. It's his love. It's his love. It's his love. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to earn it. Two, three, just slip your hand up. I see one hand already up, so we're praying. Who else is in this room and you need to come home? Two people are raising their hands. Hallelujah. You just need Jesus. You know he's the answer. You've tried and nothing else worked, but he's the answer. Some of you, you're still trying. You just might as well give up right now and say, no, 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 I'm gonna trust him and him alone. All right, I want you guys to pray with these two adults that raised their hand. Pray this like it was your first time. Some of you, you didn't raise your hand, but you need to pray for you. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for the penalty of my sins. And three days later, he rose again. He conquered death, sin, and the grave. I believe it. I receive Jesus now as my Lord and my Savior. I choose to serve him, to trust him. I'm new in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, you got your marbles. Stand up, grab those marbles in your hand. If you're sitting as a family, hold hands, put a hand on a shoulder. If they're across the room volunteering, run over to them real quick. Unless his hands are on a bass guitar, that might be hard. Listen, every single person in this room, you can make your marbles count. I'm extremely confident that God, the Holy Spirit, has spoken to you about what that means for you. Whether you're single, or you're retired, or you're a business owner, or you're a parent, you have to decide to do what only you can do. It's on you. Now God's gonna help you. Oh, he's gonna help you. Because greater is he who is on the inside of you than he that is in this world. You're gonna have all the help you need, but you have to make a decision for you. I wanna pray over the families first, and I'm gonna pray over the rest of you. God, I pray for every family represented in this room right now. God, I thank you for those that hear a message like this and they've lost marbles or they lost phases or even they lost a child. And God, I pray, that, I thank you that There's no condemnation. I I speak forgiveness and wholeness to them. God, I pray that you allow them to release any regrets, any guilt, 
any shame, any mistakes, because their past does not define them. God, let them receive right now your love, your grace, your mercy, right now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for the families in this room, holding those marbles, maybe holding a hand or a shoulder. God, let them feel filled with gratitude right now for their family, for each other. It's not a perfect family, because <laughs> none of us are. But God, fill their heart right now. Fill their heart with gratitude for one another. Let that gratitude, your, your word says that love covers a multitude of sins and there's some mistakes that have been made, some words that have been spoken, God. God, give them the courage to release that right now and just say, God, I release it to you. I trust you and I'm grateful for this person next to me, this spouse, this child. Fill their heart with gratitude right now. And God, I pray that you give them courage and uh, I pray you give them specific actions to take. Like right now, God, just speak to their heart of what's the action they need to take from this, whether it's time or intentionality or maybe it's specific action, a conversation, cutting off some relationships, leaning into some new circles, whatever it is, God. Maybe it's just praying, praying, praying. Give them specific action right now, God. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you empower them to do what only a parent can do. God, I thank you for these kids in this room, these children. Some of them are bigger than us, they're taller than us, stronger than us, but they're still our kids. God, I pray that they honor their parents, that they honor their parents, that they're grateful for their parents, imperfect as they are. Because if they're here today on a Sunday morning, God, they're doing the best they can. God, I thank you that you increase honor from parents to children and from children to parents right now in this moment. God, I pray you cover every kid going into school or having started school. God, cover them this year. God, bring the right people into their circle. Widen their circle. It's gonna happen regardless, but God, bring godly people, bring godly influence, godly friends into their circle. And God, take the people out that don't need to be there because you can do that. God, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that you stirred them this morning with some practical step to take to do what only they can do. Partnering with you. More of Jesus on the inside of them, God, taking responsibility to be and to do what only they can do. God, and I know that you will honor them as they do it. Just put your hands up in front of you like this. Say, God, I receive. I choose to be intentional. I choose more of Jesus. I choose to widen my circle with the right people. Holy Spirit, I trust you. Can't do this on my own. I rely on you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Take those marbles, put them in your pocket, put them in the dash of your car, put them in a jar by your bedside. I would encourage, I've had people come up to me years after this message and say, I keep them in my pocket on a daily basis. Let them be a reminder of the decisions you made. Did y'all make some decisions today? If so, say yes!